0: You're listening to The Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 54, The Rainbow Dice Incident.
1: This is The Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie.
0: Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 54 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie.
1: Greetings, Brian.
0: So we have some news to talk about. There is, toward the end of the podcast, I I do want to talk about a little something that happened to me last week that I've come to call the Rainbow Dice Incident. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit of news. First of all, yesterday, Wednesday, Dick Miller, genre character actor, passed away. He was 90. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of character actors, you may not recognize the name, but the minute you see his face, you're like, oh, well,
1: I know that's this that's the guy yes. from that thing and exactly. that thing and that thing, yes.
0: He got his start in genre horror with a lot of the old Roger Corman films. He was in Little Shop of Horrors. He was in Bucket of Blood, several other Corman projects. Corman, in a sense, kind of discovered him. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, a mainstay in a lot of B-horror movie. Mm-hmm. He was in The Howling. He was in the Twilight Zone movie. He was also in Gremlins. So he's, he appeared in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, he passed away on Wednesday. And uh, he'll certainly be missed. I know you said that you did catch that Warner Brothers teaser trailer for Birds of Prey.
1: Yeah. Or to
0: be more accurate, the title of the movie is Birds of Prey. Parentheses, and The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I, I figure it's, people are going to call it Birds of Prey, but it's got this strange uh-huh. long title. But okay. uh, yeah, most of the, the teaser trailer was just costume tests, I think. For the uh, different characters. And yeah, that's
1: so, what I didn't get a whole lot out of the trailer at all. Except you know, just f- uh, quick flashes of people. That was all that was. I have no idea who yeah. the characters are. I didn't get enough of e- any of them to know. It was like, oh, is that Helena? Is that the Huntress? Is yeah. yeah I mean, we did see a little bit of the
0: Huntress. I know you and McGregor's playing Black Mask, and we don't see him in the mask. But honestly, you're not going to catch a lot of it without. Basically pausing watch, it, pausing it, yes. putting mm-hmm. it in slow motion. I know a lot of people have done that, and they've been talking about all these different characters that you can see. The costumes are very—I mean, except for I would say Harley Quinn, not a whole lot of them are recognizable. No. at all. And so, but there's a lot of Batman characters are there that Birds of Prey is sort of that spin-off from. Mm-hmm from Batman. So we've got the one Batgirl, not the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, but the the mute Batgirl is I think was one of the characters that you'll see and,
1: and I didn't see a wheelchair, so I doubt we're going to get an Oracle. So
0: I think this is more based on the Birds of Prey as it is now in DC. You got Black Canary and Harley Quinn and you know mm. the, and the Huntress and okay. and, and more Okay. That's the
1: of that. one I think of when I, you know, it was right. Huntress is he- Helena yeah, and Kyle. Yeah,
0: yeah, I haven't looked over the cast list, so mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you what. Let me check here really quickly. Well, yeah, we've got Black Mask, Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, uh, Black Canary. We have Huntress, of course, Harley Quinn. Renee Montoyo was in the trailer. I forgot to mention that. Uh, Rosie Perez, the mm. hard, hard-drinking Gotham PD. Yeah, going over the list really quickly here, I don't see uh, any mention of Oracle at all, so I guess she's not going to be part of this cast. Cassandra Kane that version of Batgirl is mm-hmm. is listed, so yeah, she's definitely in there. But I'll tell you, I have to say, Warner Brothers, they brought out this trailer, and of course, they've already they dropped a date for Suicide Squad 2, written and directed by James Gunn. It's going to be August of 2021. Which, as being an old guy, I'm thinking that seems like that's a long way away. Except <laughs> that no, 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 it's 2019 now. It's mm-hmm. just a couple years away. So it's sci-fi to me to be talking about like 2020 2021 2022 uh why don't we have flying cars and robots but you know it is what it is yeah
1: well we got the robots it's just you know they're vacuuming our floors and
0: And yeah there Mm -hmm. you go and and cats like to ride them yes so i'm sure there's going to be some sort of uh robot revolution just because you let the cats ride us you know we can't we can't let that stand but (laughs) so yeah there's a lot of stuff going on with Warner Brothers. Of course, they're they're trying to get everything set up, but and, and the other thing I'll mention Warner Brothers and and we talked about this a little bit. Um the Batman uh, the director for the Batman movie, Matt Reeves, he had uh, I saw an um an interview he did with Hollywood Reporter recently and he was talking about how Batman is going to be more like the detective that we that we've seen in the comics, okay. which we've not really seen Batman as a detective that much. I can think of a few moments where that happened, like in the first Batman movie, the Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Batman trying to figure... The Joker had poisoned a lot of these home products, like shampoos and toothpaste, with this poison he called Smilex, which, of course, you, you would die with this grin on your face. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure out what products were in there. And, of course, you had Batman, who was able to figure out that they couldn't get any positive test on any one thing because... He- the the joker had basically broken up the formula and put it in this so if you use this one if you use this one shampoo it wouldn't affect you but if you use this shampoo with this toothpaste you know and this deodorant then you would get, that would be it so right. so he was talking about all of that and i was i just i was just thinking about about this whole thing it's like it was all excited about this he was talking about how Josh Gad was looking to become the uh, penguin and that there was going to be this hmm. nice he wanted to bring in a bunch of uh of the batman's rogues gallery and all that stuff but what i found weird about all this is that what he didn't really talk about is that they don't have a batman right now yeah they haven't mentioned that at all it's like this is the same movie of course ben affleck he was going to help write it he was going to direct it he was going to star in it and then suddenly he's they got they were going to get a new script and he wasn't writing for it anymore but he was still going to direct it and star in it, and then suddenly he's not directing in it anymore, and they brought Matt Reeves in, and then now he, of course, he's completely gone at this point. Right. And of course, we don't need to go into all the reasons why that that's probably happened, but I just thought it was really weird that Matt Reeves didn't really talk about the fact that hey, we don't have a Batman. He he was really getting pushed.
1: everyone excited about the movie, but right.
0: Except that, oh my goodness, we don't really have a you know have a Batman. So, and right now, Warner Brothers is kind of in this weird situation because they have movies that have not really done that well, but they're all but in the middle of them and among them, they've got all these movies that are doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aquaman being the latest of it,
1: and it just keeps breaking records. Right. It- it, it's like nonstop. <laughs> so
0: I'm sure that, I mean, Warner Brothers is sort of in this bad situation where they're like, we're not exactly sure how we make our movies work. <laughs> they don't seem to know uh, very well. And that's I think that's really going to be a problem because, I mean, they've got Shazam uh, coming out April 5th, which I'm hoping will do pretty well. But it's opening up the same weekend as Pet Cemetery. So that's one of those situations is like, well, if it was a little bit, not saying that, you know, a horror movie, not the same kind of movie, cause you're going to have this sort of the superhero light comedy. It's, is what it seems like, uh, from what I've seen in the trailers, but you've got that, but then you've got, you know, you've got pet cemetery. And like I said, it's not exactly the same kind of movie, but it's definitely move, uh, two movies that will compete with, with each other. Mm-hmm. And so even if, shazam happens to do really well and and gets the number one spot it's not going to do as well as it would have done if it would if the field had been a little more clear obviously Mm -hmm. but that's the i mean that's the thing you've got that and then april 12th down the road you got hellboy coming out
1: brand new hellboy the
0: new Mm -hmm. hellboy will be, and that's you know so you got a week basically with shazam And Warner Brothers is still trying to figure out, okay, well, I mean, we can make good movies, but we're not exactly sure how we're doing it. So, (laughs) they're going to be kind of stuck in that, I would say, in that situation where they're going to have to try to figure out, what. well, you know, if Shazam doesn't do well, then they're going to be confused again. Mm -hmm. I I just, for Warner Brothers, they're going to need, well, number one, they're going to need to figure out the formula, basically. Yeah, and
1: that's the thing about Shazam, is it does go against Typical superhero movie formula. Um, well, I don't it's kind know of that got the thirteen going on thirty big, um, mm-hmm. you know, child in an adult body kind of uh, you know trope going on. So um, y- when it comes to that, I don't know that they could compare this to say a Superman. Or well,
0: something. no, well certainly not with the Superman and Batman that they've put out in the past because it's certainly tonally is completely different it's closer to a marvel movie to be honest
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that'll work for it i think the biggest issue that we're going to run into with warner brothers is since they're not exactly sure what the secret sauce is having a, a loss shazam not do as well as they hope that it would do i think they're going to be at a loss to figure out what kind of a course correction they should be doing and in a real sense like i said this is going to be a packed couple of weeks for Shazam it's competing against some really heavy hitters and so I don't necessarily know if a course correction or making the movies in a different way is going to necessarily be what they need to look at because they have to look at their their release dates as well and I mean right now Warner Brothers is they're not so sure about mm-hmm. a lot of it
1: so what is the release date for Shazam again
0: uh April the 5th
1: okay so that's uh...
0: and then a week later uh well Pet Sematary is coming out April the fifth as well, and then April the twelfth we've got Hellboy. So
1: and then I think isn't the next weekend Captain Marvel?
0: Um, Captain Marvel is I don't think that that's not until that's not until like mid March. Okay. So they've got they've got a little bit of room there. Okay, but I mean when you got these other two highly anticipated films coming out around the same time, this is a crapshoot basically. Mm. So we hope the best for all the films. But my worry, of course, with Shazam is, if it doesn't do so well, is Warner Brothers going to panic and, and do something rash? Well, hopefully not. So, mm-hmm. But we'll see. But since we're talking about movies, we can definitely mention Sony this week came out with some dates for some films coming out. They've already come out with the release date for Ghostbusters 3, which will be July 10th, 2020. Okay. So that next year. Yeah. And then not that far afterward, July 31st, 2020, they're dipping into Spider-Man's rogues gallery again, and Jared Leto is going to be playing Morbius, the living vampire.
1: Vampir. Oh, okay.
0: So they're doing a standalone Morbius film. Huh. Which, okay. Uh-huh.
1: well, Now, but, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, was Blade an original character from Morbius?
0: Well, Blade, he came out more from Marvel was doing uh, a Dracula series. They had their okay. own version of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Although Blade and Morbius have crossed paths for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, but Sony has been taking chances with some of the spookier characters in Spider-Man's rogues gallery. I mean, they did really well with Venom. Speaking of which, there is an unnamed Marvel movie in Sony's release dates for October second, twenty twenty, which is probably going to be Venom too. They haven't okay. come out and said it yet, but October was about the time when we got to look
1: at what parts of Marvel does Sony own. Yeah, so. <laughs> well,
0: they've got Spider-Man, and they've got Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery, which is mm-hmm. huge. And that's why, you know, they come out with a Venom film, and they can come out with this Morbius film. The thing is, Sony has done really well with Venom, so Morbius could do really well as uh, also. As it's very possible.
1: Anti-hero, sort of. Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: Very much in the size of Blade, where you're dealing with... Uh, a character who's wanting to be good, but has these impulses. Mm-hmm. And Morbius is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And for Morbius, it, it's a little more difficult. Basically what he does is he's sick, and by using his science, because he's a scientist, he's trying to cure this disease and turns himself into a vampire. Although he's a living vampire, he's not mm-hmm. undead. So he walks that line between human and non-human and he's worried of course that if he snaps and starts drinking human blood he could go all the way vampire and right. then he's lost so sony's had their success in the marvel cinematic universe with venom did really well and into the spider verse was near genius when it came to mm-hmm. superhero movies uh, we I talked about that uh, last week mm-hmm. and so i'm waiting to see what they do so right. there'd be a lot of in- great films possibly that we'll get to see next year so there but we'll see how that goes I will mention this one last thing, movie-wise, and then we'll talk a little bit of TV. But starting Friday, and by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be Saturday, but February the 1st through the 7th, Black Panther returns to AMC Theaters. Did you hear about this? I
1: did, yes, for Black History Month.
0: So it will be in about 250 of the AMC Theaters. They'll be showing it twice a day for these seven days. And the film's going to be free. Free! Yes. Yes, If you have one of these AMC theaters in your area, and if you're not sure if you do or not, you can go to amctheaters.com and check it out. If you do, you can't just show up there, obviously, because you're going to have there'd be a crowd issue. So you actually have to go onto their website and reserve a ticket. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you do have to you have to say, oh, "Well, I'm coming." And if the the shows are all, well, you can't say sold out, because they're freed out. If, they're, mm-hmm. if there's no available tickets, they will put you on a waiting list and let you know when something opens, because somebody may cancel or whatever. But it's really cool of them, to, especially for Black History Month, to bring Black Panther back for a week. It's got Oscar nominations, so very often movies will come back out, you know, Mm -hmm. during Oscar season. But the fact that they're doing this for free is pretty cool. And what I also think is really cool is AMC, on top of that, they're donating $1.5 million to the United Negro College Fund. Awesome. So they're, which is, that's really cool. It's going to be awesome to be able, for people to be able to go back to the theaters and see it on the big screen because it's awesome on the big screen. reminded, Yes. But also the fact that you're going to be able to you're going to be able to see it for free, which is I think is is yes. really cool.
1: Still have to buy your popcorn, so yeah, get there so, early. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: uh, yeah, you may have to take out a, a home loan for that. But there you
1: go. Uh, now, uh, Brian, ADHD moment. I can't remember. Have we talked about it on the podcast that Eddie Murphy is in talks about uh, coming to America too?
0: Yes, I heard about that.
1: I was so excited because I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast it... or not, but I want to see, you know, just uh just the barbershop guys. That's oh, all yeah. I want. I want to hear them talking about uh modern politics right now. I mean I could I could just have a whole movie of that. Oh, I'm I'm totally I don't I don't even need Prince Akeem. <laughs> oh I'm
0: I'm absolutely looking forward to that. I can't I cannot wait. Uh, I I hope that's uh we'll get to see that soon. Of course, <laughs> The thing about it is when people are in, in talks until the the ink is dry on the contract you've got absolutely nothing uh you know it's like it could happen you know who knows but uh
1: maybe we'll set out a uh a uh, petition because petitions have been very powerful apparently um Shaggy is is getting into mortal combat or something like that just because of petitions <laughs> well, uh, it's crazy stuff well there's stuff. there's yeah. a
0: meme online about shaggy having powers so yeah it's all there's been all this talk and it's been i don't know how long the shaggy meme's been going on but i've been seeing it online a lot about shaggy having almost godlike powers Hmm. and but that's the internet especially these days is that all the all the memes and jokes are very they're they're utter non-sequiturs they're not attached to anything they don't necessarily have to make sense Mm -hmm. it's just oh shaggy's a god okay Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I've heard the Homer Simpson's a god, too. and Right. Yeah, and I got into a very uh, heated debate with my sister just last night about the fact that Goofy is a dog, and she uh, read a meme somewhere that Goofy is a cow, and I... You know, had to like no, because because Goofy has a nose, and if you look at Clarabelle the Cow, she only has nostrils. So there's this right. whole big thing about yeah. Well, you know
0: that <laughs> you know it's like the is it the is it a black and white dress or a blue and gold dress? <laughs> you know, Yanni and Laurel. I mean, it's all the again. You know, that's what the internet does. It comes up with some non sequitur and it just rides it into the <laughs> ground. But that's why we love the internet because it will do that. I do want to mention some a couple of TV things here really quickly. Uh, specifically CBS All Access. Of course, they're really building up the geek cred because, of course, uh, Star Trek Discovery, you got the new Picard series, and you've got Jordan Peele and the Twilight Zone. Well, they've dropped another jewel for us geeks, especially we geeks who enjoy horror. Yes. Because they are doing a 10-part miniseries on Stephen King's The Stand.
1: Yes, that's fantastic
0: i well, here, mm-hmm. i tell you it's just like um, it's like cbs all access is looking at me going you think you're not going to buy us <laughs> you can't resist us
1: <laughs> well i think you maybe be- like Stephen king called him up and you know because because uh, joe hill you know his son is getting all getting all his movies made getting his tv shows done and uh Stephen king's kind of feeling left out is you know calling up these people i was like why don't you do pet cemetery again calls cbs and is like hey why don't you do the stand again? So <laughs> Well, see,
0: I think it was ABC for the longest time that were doing a lot of Stephen King TV Mini-se- movies.
1: TV miniseries, yes. Right, mm-hmm.
0: and they were kind of meh.
1: Well, they were okay because they were on TV in the 90s, so you had these rules that you had to follow.
0: And you had these budgets that you were stuck with.
1: Right. And Stephen King, you kind of need more. You need an R rating. Now, a couple years ago, when they did Nightmares and Dreamscapes on TNT, I will say, those were brilliantly done. Yeah, yeah. But they picked the proper stories that would work in that universe. Yeah, Uh, with the budget that they had, definitely. Correct, yes. So, but when you're looking at his epics, when you're looking at The Stand, when you're looking at maybe even The Gunslinger, you need an R rating, you need a budget, you need a cast. And, I mean, you don't even have to have big names, you just have to have the right people.
0: I think the one thing that it definitely needs is you need to have people in charge that love the material, that are fans of it. Because I think the, when when you get a situation where people come in and they're not they're not nearly as passionate about the material and in some ways may feel like, hey, I, I want to fix this because it's not all mm-hmm. that good, but I can do it better. Mm-hmm. That's when you kind of run into problems. Right. But, you know, it's funny, and it's sort of an aside, we'll go back to movies for just a second because, and I don't know if this is true or not, but there's a rumor been going around and, I, and some people have been saying this is a pretty substantial rumor, but... Again, I'm not so sure about it just because of the way, the way it sounds. But I've been hearing all these rumors that they're preparing for a Black Widow film, and it's supposed to be R-rated.
1: Uh, yeah, I did read that somewhere. It was going to be Marvel's, the Cinematic Universe first R-rated film.
0: Yeah, but, which I can see with Black Widow, especially with the background that they've been doing with her. I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. I think Marvel tends to they tend to love that PG 13 and they love for their films to be watched by lots of different people. Mm -hmm. And so having a black widow, R rated film, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they want to go down that road, but here's the other problem. And this worries me and maybe I'm being paranoid, but you know, as the old saying goes, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people are not out to get you. What I worry about is that if if it's an experiment with an R rated film, if it doesn't do well, How do they explain it? I'm afraid they're going to say, well, it didn't do so well because we get this female lead. Right. And I would hate the heck out of that. That's Mm -hmm. completely not fair. Scarlett Johansson has been a scapegoat before when a film didn't do well. I'd hate to see that go down again. But on the other hand, if... If they do make an R-rated film and does really well, I think that's going to open up the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially if a lot of these, these R-rated superhero films that Sony's going to be coming out with, because Morbius, I think, might also get an R-rating, but Venom had an R-rating. And, of course, you look at Fox and Deadpool. The Deadpool films did really well, and they were R-rated, and Logan was an R-rating, mm-hmm. and so possibly marvel might look at that and say hey there's a market that we can tap into if we're willing to do it but marvel for all the great stuff that they've done they love sticking to pg-13 mm-hmm. and i get it
1: because the kids the kids love to see it and, oh yeah uh, that was I, I can remember many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea listening to commentary on the very first uh, fast and furious movie so this was like what two thousand? I'm not sure. But uh the director was saying we had to watch and make sure we didn't get an R rating because it's not the sixteen year olds that wanna watch a car movie. It's the thirteen year olds that can't drive yet. Well, you're right. They're you- the ones who are gonna you want to see who are gonna want to see this movie. So when it comes to superhero movies, uh, not only the geeks, but your future geeks—the pe- the kids who want to be geeks—are going to mm-hmm. be there. So I can see it. But um, yeah, you, you know. want
0: to. I mean, with your film, you want to try to get as much of uh, as large an audience as you can. And PG thirteen became that sweet spot for films where they're not so childish that that adults won't want to see it, but it's not so adult that kids couldn't come see it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, PG-13 became that golden mean, really, for Hollywood. But R-rated superhero movies work if they're done well. Mm -hmm. And they can make a lot of money. I mean, Deadpool made crazy amounts of money. Right. So it can work. But again, that's going to be Marvel being brave about it. So... Now, one last thing, and this is going to be rather brief, because uh, I don't want to go into this too much, because I want to save this for next week, but there's been some teaser stuff coming out for uh, Walking Dead. Ah, uh, yes. Now, mm-hmm. I have seen in a couple of places people saying it's going to be this weekend will be the first episode of Walking Dead, but guys, think about it. Are they going to show the first episode of the new half season of Walking Dead on Super Bowl Sunday? Of course they're not. No. And... I definitely want to spend some time with you next week talking about what we expect to see in this new season to really go over the uh, teaser trailers and the scenes that they're releasing. And because I think there'll probably be some more stuff coming out and Mm -hmm. some more news coming out and spend some good, uh, a good amount of time next week talking about Walking Dead. Because after next week, we'll get back to What the Dead and we can start talking about these individual episodes, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. So... So before we go, I did want to take a moment to bring up something a little bit uh, personal it, on, on the geek side for me. Something that happened this week that made me think of some, some other things that happened this week. I placed an order uh, on ChessX. I went and bought some dice because uh, I'm looking to tabletop game and we talked about vampire the masquerade so I went and got some some black dice with red numbering and uh the die tens and some red dice with the black lettering because
1: that's yes, very macabre very
0: macabre mm-hmm. but because of the and I think we talked about this when I talked about vampire the masquerade but with their new rules you need to have two different color dice and so I went and got some dice and I thought Well, since I'm ordering and I'm paying shipping anyway, I should get some regular dice for myself for just, you know, D&D or other games. And I got this idea. I was looking at the dice and I thought it'd be kind of neat to color code them. All the D4s would be the same color. All the D6s would be the same. And, okay, know, instead a, of
1: one whole uh, set of all the dice that are the same. Right. Mm-hmm. I could
0: I could kind of color code them. You could just them.
1: reach out and grab the red ones, and you know that they're your 20s or are, something. Yeah,
0: yes. well, in this case, they would be the D4s, but I would okay. know. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. I thought, wait a minute. When I looked at how many different dice there are... And I, I thought, well, wait a minute, Roy G. Biv, mm-hmm. for people who don't know what that is, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, which mm-hmm. is the colors of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be actually be able to do full rainbow dice, because are they going to have indigo and violet? Well, they got dark purple and light purple, and that's pretty uh-huh. much indigo and violet, so... Mm-hmm. Holy cow! I can actually do rainbow. Well, dice. there are
1: arguments over indigo, but I'm I'm an art uh, I'm an art major, <laughs> so there's about indigo. So uh, there's there's arguments about whether it's blue or it's purple. But that's I digress. That no. doesn't matter.
0: Well, <laughs> did, did you just geek out on on art?
1: <laughs> yes, I did.
0: Well, that may be appropriate for this. <laughs> and so, but what I did was I went and I got the um I. I went and, and uh, decided to start red with the D4s and orange with the D6s and, and on and on until mm-hmm. we get to the D20s, which became the light purple or, or the, the color
1: wheel, if you prefer.
0: Or the color wheel, exactly. <laughs> and so I got them, and what I did was I got five of each, and I got the uh, once I got them, I thought they looked great, so I, I put them out on my table. I took a snap for Instagram and and copied it over on Facebook to show my brand new rainbow dice. The text I put underneath of it was sort of a, a derivation of a song from the Muppet movie. Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow, Rainbow Connection. Connection, the lovers, the dreamers, mm-hmm. and D and D. So the actual, yeah. the actual is the that lovers, and dreamers the dreamers, and me. the gamers,
1: so. the players, and me <laughs>
0: with D and D. And so I put that out, and I got a lot of likes on it, which was great. People really liked the look of the die. But what became known as the Rainbow Dice incident is I did get a a DM from somebody. And they said, hey, Brian, you doing the the rainbow thing? Aren't you worried that people are going to think this is a gay thing? And my answer was to them, so what? Mm -hmm. I will say that I kind of wish that would have been my first thought, my instant response. But it wasn't. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that when I was younger, you know, like a lot of us, I was bullied in school. And homophobia was a weapon, especially in the seventies was something that when you, when kids picked on each other, gay was the absolute, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I was in elementary school, I went by my middle name because that's how I went at home. And Mm my, my middle name is Jay. And so when I was in elementary school, people knew me as Jay. And so, you know, if your name is Jay and you want, and you want to, and people want to pick on you, they're going to call you gay Jay. That's what they did to me. And so when you grow up, and homophobia is basically a weapon against you, then even years and years later, there's that sort of that cringe moment that Mm -hmm. I noticed. And it made me really think about a lot of things in the uh, geek community and the nerd community. Because I think a lot of... We talk a lot about toxic gamers Mm -hmm. and toxic geek culture and a lot of that. And I think a lot of this comes from the fact that when we were young, our geekdom, our fandom was weaponized against us in a huge way. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think people get really sensitive about people coming into their culture, because they've paid a pretty huge price, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. Now, not to say that... Gatekeeping. Yeah, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of gatekeeping that goes on, because they paid a price for liking what they like. And, you know, like I said, my... I, I suffered that stuff. I mean, I was in high school and watching Doctor Who and yeah, I didn't tell anybody, you know, being the kid that started the D and D club in his high school and who was in the chess club. It was no wonder that I didn't go to my senior prom. <laughs> okay. Cause there was no point. It reminded me of a lot of this when this weekend on HBO and we, we talked about this two months ago, but a, uh, a certain someone who had some things to say about stan lee
1: oh okay yeah Mm.
0: decided to double down and say more things about it bill maher we'll just say bill maher on his hbo show he does a a a, um at the end of his program he does a commentary and it was about again people who read comic books and how stupid and worthless they are Hmm. and so he basically doubled down on it of course, we're not going to go over why he was completely wrong about what he said, because mm-hmm. we we did that two months ago.
1: Yeah, I just wonder why he didn't attempt to educate himself. About um, it, be- but-
0: because people don't. Mm-hmm. He had an agenda. But here's the thing is, again, some of the stuff, and we talked about this before, but find really strange about Bill Maher is as much as he hates millennials, and he hates people who read comic books and people who say things like adulting, is at the beginning of this program, he's interviewing Ann Coulter, and he makes two superhero references in in the space of a minute. (laughs) Talks about Wonder Woman, also talks about how he's not Superman and can't see through the cameras, etc., etc. So he makes two superhero references. Mm -hmm. And although he doesn't have a lot of respect for millennials, he goes right into the millennial pastime of trolling, because that's basically what he's doing. He's Mm -hmm. just trolling people. Although I'm sure he believes all the things that he said, but it's basically to go out and attack people and troll people, and he went after a bunch of other people. Uh, he went after uh, Kevin Smith. Oh. Attacked him, too, who just basically said, hey, you know, calm down a little bit, and so he just, he went for his head. I think, honestly, sometimes we can, and, and I think geek culture and nerd culture is very susceptible to, we go emotions 1st Mm-hmm. And we do that because again it's it's a, a very raw very sensitive spot for us and because of that sometimes we overreact sometimes we say stupid things sometimes we're we try to cut people out when we should be more inclusive and i think would would make our geekdom and our fandom better for all of us and i was just kind of reminded i think this week that sometimes we have emotional reactions and we forget about where these come from and we need to kind of go back and, I think think about why we're sensitive over the things that we're sensitive about so that we can be more rational about it and treat our fandom in a better way and help it to grow. So, I mean, that's, I think that's basically my lesson for this week. Of course, next week we'll definitely talk some walking dead and get that going and Mm -hmm. There'll be some other things definitely to talk about fandom wise, and to talk
1: about Super Bowl commercials. Yes, yeah,
0: that's going to be because mm-hmm. of course a lot of these Super Bowl commercials are fandom linked. You know, sometimes we'll see movie trailers, and we may see some movie trailers for some of the Marvel movies. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll get yeah. uh, there'll be some really cool geek stuff that we can talk about mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, and and sometimes geeks watch actually watch the Super Bowl too. I'm um, not
1: one of them, but yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll eat the food, and uh, You'll. <laughs> you'll I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll dress up as in my Hufflepuff colors, and I'll sit <laughs> in the same room where other people are watching sports ball.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, well, you know, I like the camaraderie. Uh, usually the Super Bowl is like the one game a year I watch. If friends are getting together to do that or family, and so we'll see what commercials they have, and we'll definitely talk about it next week. And so with that said, we come to the end of Episode 54 of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform, and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging jay production.